Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Ephesians 4, verses 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Church growth literature is a booming industry. And I guess if you follow Christ, it's not hard to see why. Don't we all long to see God's church growing strong in maturity and numbers? And yet the reality is we feel so small and so weak. So if somebody comes along and says, I have the key to turn things round for you, then we sit up and listen. There are hundreds of titles out there. This week I came across Sticky Church, Organic Church, Slow Church. And one of my personal favourites, Do Something Else. I think that's less of a call to give up on church growth and more keep trying new ideas. Well, I take it most of us who are listening today have a big stake in Christ Church growing strong and mature After all, this is our church. Well, the good news is that amidst the many voices, God's word today has a clear plan for growing us, at least when it comes to maturity. But the challenge is his plan involves all of us. Look at verse 15 with me. Instead, speaking the truth in love We will become in every respect, in all things, we will grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. What makes the body of Christ, the church, what makes us grow? Speaking the truth in love, we will grow. And verse 16 fleshes out the point. Verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up. In love, as each part does its work. The whole body builds the body as each part 
speaks the truth of Christ to each other in love. We've just got one big point in today's talk. Get bodybuilding for the king of the universe. Play your part to build the body of the king. We're all called to this work of loving truth speaking if we follow Christ. The whole body, each part. Now this passage in Ephesians, it's one of several that teaches the idea of every member ministry. It's an idea that uh, we're perhaps familiar with. The idea that we're all called to speak the truth in church to build each other up. And I suspect that if we've been around a while at Christ Church, it's something we are familiar with because many of us at Christ Church love to have conversations to help each other grasp the great truths of the Christian message. But if you're anything like me, you'll still find it difficult. I wonder, have you read this book? Watching the English by Kate Fox. She's an anthropologist and she has some really brilliant observations of English, and perhaps it can be applied more widely, of British behaviour. She argues that when it comes to conversations, we have an almost pathological need for privacy and domesticity. That is, we don't like to talk about anything too big or life-changing, certainly nothing personal. It's just so excruciatingly awkward to talk about those kind of things. But of course, that leaves us with a problem because it doesn't get bigger or more personal than Christ. Now look, COVID is awful, isn't it? And all of us wish it would go. But I'd be surprised if there weren't at least some of us who were thankful for this, that we don't have to have those awkward post-church chats anymore where we try to speak about the truths of the, the books that we've been teaching and studying when what we'd rather just be talking about is the latest Crema Claire fail from Bake Off or the latest Wonder Goal from Sheffield Wednesday or United. Other football teams are of course available but the thing is those conversations about Christ remain essential to building his church COVID is not an excuse to stop them, but a call to be more determined and creative than ever before. Will you get bodybuilding for the king? Well, even if we know we should, sometimes we lack motivation or perhaps confidence. So let's go back to the beginning of the passage and see how Paul motivates us to get on with this work. Paul begins by encouraging us to appreciate the royal gifts given us for bodybuilding. Verse 7, look at it with me. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. You see, after hearing last week about the things that we have in common, we now learn that each one of us individually has been apportioned grace by Christ. But before Paul tells us what those gifts given us are, he pauses. Did you notice? Verses 
8 and 10. They, they don't tell us about the gifts, but the giver. You see, I guess Paul knows we're only going to appreciate the gifts when we appreciate Christ, the one who gives them to us. So who is Christ? And look, if you're new to Christian things, now's the time to really tune in. Who is Christ? Not what our world thinks. He is, in fact, the all-conquering king of the universe. Verse 8. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. That might be a bit strange, but this is just a condensed quote from parts of Psalm 68, which is a victory song. The victory in the song is God's. He has conquered the kingdoms of the world through his people Israel. And in his victory pomp, he marches in procession, leading captives and loyal forces up the road to his capital, Jerusalem where he takes his throne on the temple mount and from there surveys his dominion, the whole earth. And then he shares the spoils of victory with his people, Israel, giving them riches and strength and power. Wow. But do you know, Psalm 68, it's actually just the shadow of the conquest won by Christ You see, in him, God has won a victory far greater than ever before. He's done it by coming to the earth as a man. Verse 9. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? God in Christ descended in the incarnation, becoming a man, descended to death in our place. To rescue us from captivity to sin and death. And to take us captive to his kingdom. The kingdom that is above all kingdoms. Verse 10. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens. You see, he's not just ascended to the city on a hill, Jerusalem, or the temple mount, but higher than all the heavens. That is the language of the most high God, the transcendent God above time and space because he made time and space. Verse 10 goes on. He is indeed the one who fills the whole universe because he is its sovereign Lord. That's who Jesus is. And that's who is giving his people gifts to get on with bodybuilding. Don't you find it strange that rather than talking about him, we'd rather talk about Cree McClairs and the latest crazy football result? And wouldn't a king willing to go to such depths for us, ascended to such heights of power for us, wouldn't he have gifts worth giving and getting. 
You see, this shouldn't be like that moment when you get another knitted handkerchief at Christmas. And you can tell what it is before you've even unwrapped it. And you get that feeling, how am I going to muster the enthusiasm to be thankful for this? No, with a giver this great, we can take it as read that the gifts will be good. So let's unwrap the rest of the passage. What are these grace gifts given to his people? Well, I think in verses 11 to 16, they fall into two basic categories. The first is this, to be gifted with being a truth teacher. Did you see that list of truth teachers in verse 11? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers. You could split that list further into the foundational teachers of Christ. So chapter 2 verse 20 says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ himself being the cornerstone. And then there are the unoriginal teachers. That is the pastor teachers and evangelists whose job it is to just keep shedding light on what the foundational teachers taught about Christ. In this sense, I will always make it my aim as a teacher at Christ Church to be deeply unoriginal and keep telling you what this says. So that's the first royal gift given for bodybuilding. It's to be a truth teacher. What about the second gift? Well, look again at verses 11 to 12. It was he, Christ, who gave this list of teachers, verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body might be built. Do you see the the teachers themselves are Jesus' gifts to you, given by Christ To you, to prepare you to build the body. I guess that fits, doesn't it, with verses 15 and 16 that we looked at first. The body builds the body as each part speaks the truth of Christ to each other in love. You see, my job, our job, is to help you know Christ so that you can then talk about Christ with each other to build each other up. The second kind of gift, then, is to be a taught truth speaker. A taught truth speaker. And that's all of you. I wonder, do you now have that slightly disappointed, not another knitted handkerchief feeling? Can I say, if you do, on one level, I don't blame you. I mean, it's not as if any of us around here are famous speakers like John Stott or uh, John Piper, but you know Jesus. Jesus is still the loving, sovereign king of the universe. And if we are what he's given you, then we must have our uses, right? So are you making use of Christ's gifts to you? Are you reading the foundational teachings about Christ? Are you making use of the unoriginal teachers of Christ at Fullwood? Yes, we're far from perfect, aren't we? But we're working hard to make progress. Will you work with us to get taught? Will you turn up awake, humble, hungry 
caffeinated if needs be? And then are you willing to take what you've been taught and talk about it with each other? Of course, there can be a way of talking about Christ to build yourself up, to show off your knowledge. But Paul rules that kind of talking out with those two words in verse 15, in love. Others of us don't want to do this. We find it scary. What if I say the wrong thing about Christ to somebody, we think, and we clutch at what looks like a possible get-out clause in verse 12. Maybe this little phrase in verse 12, works of service, includes more practical things like meal trains or cutting the grass for a, a neighbour. Well, you know, in other New Testament letters, there's a rainbow diversity of service that contributes to church life. But in this passage, Paul has one kind of service in mind. That's why we started with verses 15 and 16, because they clarify that for us. The service in verse 12 that builds the body is the thing in verses 15 and 16 that builds the body, speaking the truth in love. Now, of course, this isn't an either-or. Take the pastoral care teams that look after people's practical needs. That's a true expression of Christian love. But do you know team members also seek to keep talking about Christ? Of course they do. Those conversations are essential to our church's growth. So, do you have a spiritual workout plan? Not just a private one, but for your church body. You know, as a whole church, we do have a a bodybuilding plan that maps onto this passage. Your pastor teachers teach you from the foundational teachers on Sunday, things that you then talk over in your small groups and home groups and youth groups and kids clubs and tack groups and so on. Which groups are, if they are working properly, places where you take time to know and love each other so that you can give each other a word in season. Look, if you haven't joined one of those groups yet, please get involved. You can find information on our website. So much of the growth at Christchurch happens there. But it doesn't have to be confined to there. I hope there are many connecting Joints and ligaments in the body here. Many bonds of love in families and friendships where Christ's truth is spoken and celebrated together for our mutual upbuilding. Well, once again, by now we ought to know what each of us should be doing to build the church. But Paul has one last thing to motivate us. And it's another before and after picture. Paul's given us a few of those in Ephesians already, hasn't he? But the before and after in this passage, unlike the previous ones, it's still up for grabs. The outcome depends on each part of the body playing its part. Picture one is of a body beautiful. Not a muscle-bound body, but a body bound together by a common relationship 
with Christ. Verse 13 again. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. It's a body that reflects its king's fullness. So verse 13 goes on. Until we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That is a body that knows the full extent of its king's rule over the universe. A body that knows the full extent of his boundless love. A love that goes to any depths, to the highest heights for those who are near or far. This is a body that delights in and reflects his all-conquering, all-loving rule. Reflects that in all its relationships and interactions. And it is a beautiful picture of church, isn't it? But it will only happen if we all exercise our gifts. Won't you get bodybuilding to make it a reality? Then finally, Paul shows us what church is like before every member gets bodybuilding. And the picture now is of children stranded at sea in a gale. Did you see that? Verse 14, infants tossed around by the waves and the wind. No king aboard this ship to navigate through the storm. You see, a body that fails to build itself up into its head is a body that is vulnerable to being led astray by lies. By every wind of teaching, as Paul says in verse 14. By the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. False views of the world that either flagrantly or subtly undermine the truth of Christ. Please, don't be naive as though Fullwood could never be vulnerable in this way. Is there any church that has ever stayed anchored in the truth of Christ forever? Well, may God bless our ministry and may the body at Christ Church go from strength to strength for many years to come. Amen.